I would like you to play along with me just for a few moments, if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to think of something that comes to your mind when you close your eyes after I say two words. So will you play along with me? Go ahead and close your eyes. Just kind of, just kind of sit there. And I want you to think about the first thing that comes to mind when I say the next two words. Are you ready? Holy Spirit. What comes to mind? First word. Okay, open your mind. Open, open your eyes. <laughs> now, for some of you, you probably thought God. How many of you thought God? Okay. For, for others, you probably thought maybe the Bible. Anybody think the Bible? Anybody? Uh, for some of you, you probably thought maybe the word comforter came to mind. Anyone? Comforter? How about the word advocate? Those, these are the people who grew up in Sunday school and you know all the... Anybody think of the word advocate? Okay. How many thought of the word strength, strength? How about tongues? These are the, these are the, the real Christians among us. <laughs> um, uh, for others of us, we probably thought, what? Or maybe, who? Or maybe you just drew a blank completely. Because to you, the Holy Spirit is unclear. In fact, the way I wrote it in your notes is the Holy Spirit can be mysterious. I mean, when you think about God as Father, and that's how Jesus referred to him, I mean, we can all get our brains wrapped around Father, right? We've all had a Father. Maybe we didn't know our Father. Maybe we had a good Father, a bad Father, maybe an average Father, but we all had a Father, yes? So it's not that difficult to think of God as a dad or God as a Father, and even when we think about God as Jesus, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's, it's sort of tricky because, okay, was he a man? Was he God? He was 100% both. Okay, that's a little bit difficult. But even if you don't believe he was 100% God, there was a historical figure named Jesus outside of the Bible who died on a cross and supposedly rose again from the third day. So we can get our brains wrapped around Jesus because he's like a physical person that lived but then it comes to the Spirit, and it's like, hmm, I'm not sure what to think about God as a Spirit or the Holy Spirit. Even when you open up the Bible, right from the first pages of the Bible, it's a little bit unclear. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And watch this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Clears it all up, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, so the Spirit of God hovers. Hmm, interesting. In a mist, in a fog, over the whole globe. Like, what was he doing? What did he look like? What was his role? What was his purpose? It's not exactly clear in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. We know he was there, and he was hovering. Then we fast forward to the New Testament, doesn't get much better, Genesis, uh, Mark chapter 1, the baptism of Jesus, when Jesus came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, and guess who shows up? The Spirit. And what's he doing? He's descending onto Jesus like a dove. Once again, clears it all up. Now we know exactly what the role of the Spirit is to do. Split the heavens, come down in the form of a bird, and land on Jesus' shoulder awesome. We still don't know what his purpose is or what he's there for or what is he doing? Is he encouraging? Is he uplifting? Is he speaking? What, what, what's going on? 
Well, that's left, you know, for a little bit of interpretation. It's just unclear when it comes to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And so what I want to do in this series, we're starting a brand new series today called The Nudge. What I want to do today uh, in this series is kind of clarify some of the mystery. And the reason I want to clarify some of the mystery is because the quality of our life depends upon our understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our life. In fact, one time the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, the fruit of the Spirit or the result of living in alignment with the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. In other words, the Spirit of God, our understanding and cooperation with the Holy Spirit in our lives really does produce a quality of life for us. Jesus would call it abundant life or even eternal life. So if you're not a Christian here and you're just kind of maybe agnostic or maybe atheist, this is a great series for you to be at because you, if you should take a step of faith and trust Christ, this series is going to kind of give you the inside scoop on what you can expect and, and what you should be doing as a Christ follower. So we welcome you here today. In fact, can we welcome all of our campuses right now? Banta, Franklin, online campus, Greenwood. Welcome here today. Thanks for tuning in for our brand new series. We have people literally joining us from all over the world. It's so exciting what technology can do. So from whatever country you're joining us in, we welcome you here today. And so the nudge, the nudge. Here's what I wanna do, I wanna clarify the mystery. Do I have all the information on the Holy Spirit? No, I have a limited understanding of the Holy Spirit, but I'm gonna to try to empty my cup into your cup in terms of what I understand about the Holy Spirit, Spirit thus far in my journey with Christ. So here, here's where I wanna start. The job of the Holy Spirit or the role of the Holy Spirit is primarily to nudge us, to nudge us. We've all been nudged before, right? Perhaps we've been nudged by a teacher in a classroom, teachers do a lot of nudging, don't they? One of my teachers used to grab me by the ear. Boy, that was a nudge. Woo. Perhaps you've been nudged by a friend. You know, you're getting ready to get romantic with this person and a friend knows that you shouldn't be getting romantic with this person, so what do they do? They nudge you, he ain't for you, girl. <laughs> I know he's cute and all that stuff and he's got all kinds of Facebook followers or whatever he has. But he is not for you. And that friend sort of nudges you and says, no, don't go there. If you're married, you get nudged all the time, especially if you're a husband, don't you? <laughs> don't say that. Sometimes you get nudged as a husband in church. He's, pre he's talking to you. Pay attention. Wake up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, honey. What, what, was that? what did he say? We've all been nudged before. What is a nudge? A nudge is a gentle shove, sometimes not so gentle. It's a push by a friend, by a coach, a teacher, a parent to go a certain direction or not go a certain direction. Here's what the Bible says about Christ followers or what should be true about Christ followers in Romans chapter 8 verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. See, what I really mean by being nudged is this idea of being led. That the Holy Spirit wants to lead our lives. What does that mean? He wants to direct our lives. He wants to guide our lives. He wants to be in control of our lives. There's this great passage in the book of Acts that isn't necessarily a teaching passage, but it is. It gives us a little insight into what the Christian life is supposed to look like. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about living on mission and how we're all ambassadors, and it's not just the pastor's job to preach the good news, it's all of our jobs, right? So the Apostle Paul is out taking the good news to people who haven't heard, 
And he's being led by the Spirit. How do we know? Because in Acts chapter 16, watch what happens. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phygera and Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Why were they there? Because, watch this, the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. What an insight this is for us as believers Basically, they were on mission. They were taking the good news to people who hadn't heard. They tried to go to one specific area in Asia, and the Holy Spirit prevented them, nudged them, led them in a different direction. He continues, watch. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, and they uh, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, a second time, the Spirit of Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, did not allow them to go there. We don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if they had, you know, didn't have a ship. We don't know if they, if there were people trying to kill him. We don't know the answer. But what we know is that the spirit of God nudged them and said, no, you're not going to go there. You're going to go over here. Can I just tell you that that is a picture of how the Christian life ought to be lived every single day. That the spirit is nudging us along. No, 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 that relationship, that one's toxic. You need to get out of that one. No, here, I want you to, this is a good, this is a good relationship. I want you to be in right here. When it comes to friendship, when it comes to business, when it comes to romance, when it comes to spending money, when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to every area of our life, the Spirit has something to say and He's trying to nudge us and lead us. Last year around this time, I took my son to Columbia. Emmanuel partners with a fantastic church called Exodo Church in Columbia, Pastor Angel down there. It's a fantastic work. So a year ago we went I took Andrew for his 16th birthday. We went with Rick Johnson, who leads up our ministry to Exodo there, and we took a couple of other people with us, and we just had a fantastic time. While we were there, Rick Johnson wanted to do something special for my son for his 16th birthday, so he purchased a two-hour tour for us to go, to go explore the old city in Columbia that's rich in history, and it's just, they've taken care of it, and they've, they've remodeled it, and they've re- restored it, and it's just, it was an absolutely beautiful tour that we took. I have a picture of it. This is actually a picture in the old city. There was this church with this beautiful door. I wish I could show the rest of the door to you, but this is Andrew and I there, and we just had a fantastic time. And the tour guide took us from one place to another place. And every time he took us to a location in the old city, there was a story behind the specific location. Perhaps someone did something special or a battle was fought or something happened. And it was just this brilliant time. And here's what I didn't do during that two-hour tour. I didn't say to the tour guide, you know, I'd like to go over there. Can we go over there? I want to go over there. Okay, now I would like to go over here. Oh, that looks interesting. I want to go see that building. Let's go over there. That's what I didn't do during the tour. You know what I did during the tour? I said, wow, that was awesome. Where are we going next? And then the tour guide took us to the next spot and told us all about what happened in that location or what this building was about or whatever. And then after he told us about that, he took us to the next location. And he led us on this fantastic two-hour tour. That is a picture of the way the Christian life is supposed to be lived. Spirit of God, should we go here? Should we go there? What's next? Where are we going now? Oh, you don't want me to go there? Oh, you don't want me to be in that relationship? Oh, you want me to say, okay, okay. I'll follow you wherever you want to go because I'm not in charge, you are. Now, here's what's interesting about that. You and I have the power to say no. 
And the Holy Spirit respects our individuality and our dignity. And he says, okay, if you don't want to go there, you can choose not to go there. In other words, the Holy Spirit will not do this to us. Some of us do this to our kids. And I'm not saying that this is wrong or bad parenting. In fact, it's probably decent parenting. You know, I never did it. We never did it. But then again, we lost one of our kids in the mall one time. So there you go. But he will not do this to you. He won't force you, pull you. He won't take you by the arm. He won't handcuff you. He will not take over your life. He will only offer leadership. And then he respects your dignity to choose. No, nope, I'm not going to do that with my finances. I know you're leading me towards generosity, but I'm going to spend every dime on myself. Nope, I won't do that with my sexuality. I like to have freedom with my sexuality. I like to do what I want. I, want. I will not allow you to lead me in those directions. We can choose to do that. But when we choose not to follow his leadership, we forfeit the quality of life that he has planned for us. Nudging us all along our lives, leading us. So what would happen? Imagine this with me. What would happen if we decided, if you decided, if I decided to say every day of our lives, today's a journey and the spirit of God is my leader. Those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. He's going to nudge me. What would happen if I decided you decided just to let the Holy Spirit lead us every day of our lives? Where would he take us? Where would we end up? Where would we go? What would happen in our lives? That's what this series is really all about. Each week we're going to talk about a specific direction that the Holy, Spirit's to, that the Holy Spirit wants to take us down. Today we're going to talk about the first direction that he will nudge us toward. In your notes, the Holy Spirit will nudge you towards truth. He will nudge you towards truth. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 16. He clarified it. He just laid it out there. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, his name is spirit of truth, by the way. It's what he does. It's who he is. When he comes, here's what he's going to do. He's going to, say it with me, guide you. He's going to be your tour guide. He's going to be the leader of your life. And he's going to guide you towards what? Towards all truth. That's what he's going to do. Truth about what? Well, Truth about reality. Truth about the way things really are. Truth about the way things should be. Truth about who you are as, a, as an individual person. Truth about who God is. Truth about the spiritual realm. Truth about the physical realm. Truth about reality. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into. Why do we need that? Because we live in reality. Every single day we find ourselves in reality. Reality. Right now we're in reality. And if we don't understand reality, we're going to mess the whole thing up. If we're, if we're misunderstanding reality, distorting reality, we're going to distort our lives. And we're going to fail to live the life that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead, trying to lead us into. And guess who you have trying to prevent you from living in reality? Satan himself. The devil. His number one goal is to distort reality in your mind and heart. Why? To cut you off from the abundant life and the eternal life that God has offered to you. Peter said it this way. He said, be on guard because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking someone to devour. Jesus said this about the enemy in John chapter 8. He said, he, that is the devil, has always hated the truth. Let me pause there real quick. If he hates the truth... Who does he hate? 
the spirit of truth. So the devil hates the Holy Spirit. You follow me, yes or no? See how that works? He hates the truth, he hates the Holy Spirit, he wants to take you in a totally different direction that the Holy Spirit wants to take you in. Why, because he hates the truth and there's no truth in him. Watch this, Jesus says, when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar. See, the character of the Holy Spirit is truth. He is the spirit of truth. The character of the devil is liar because he is a liar and the father of all lies. And this is what we see happen in the Garden of Eden in the first pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter three. God tells Adam, he says, look, you can eat from any tree in the garden you want. It's all yours. Just don't eat from the one in the middle. If you eat from the one in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Okay, no problem. Eve comes on the scene. A couple of sentences later, the devil shows up, starts a conversation with Eve. Hey, Eve, did God really say if you eat from that tree over there, you're going to die? Yeah, she says, yeah, he did. If we touch it, if we eat it, we're going to die. Listen to Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. You won't die. Eve, come on, Eve, listen. Come here, let's talk. You're not going to die. God's lying to you. See, here's the real reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. Because God knows that your eyes will be opened. What does that mean? Look. Next verse. Your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Eve, come here, come here. The reason God doesn't want you to eat from that tree over there is not because you're going to physically die and spiritually die and be disconnected from God. Not, that's, not the, that's, not, that's not the real reason. In fact, that won't even happen. The real reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree is because if you eat from it, You'll be just like him. And God, listen, here's the lie. God does not want you to be like him. There's something he's withholding from you. And Eve goes, oh, you're right. I'm not sure I can trust God. I thought everything was great. I thought everything was awesome. I thought we had it all. And now I'm not so sure. Now I think God is untrustworthy. See, the real sin in the garden was not eating the fruit. The real sin in the garden was not trusting God. How did that happen? She was deceived. Who deceived her? The devil. You know what he's trying to do to you and me? The same exact thing. He hasn't changed his tactics. He doesn't have to. Why? Because lying works. (laughs) We're all gullible, yes? Some of you are like, not me. Come on. Come on. So he lies to us. Why does he lie to us? He wants to separate us from the life that the Spirit's trying to lead us into. Reality, truth about reality, abundant life, eternal life. Let me give you a couple of big lies that I, that I see out there from my perspective, just watching, observing. I'm an observer of people, of culture, all that different stuff. Big lies out there today that we're, millions of people are buying into. You are what you own. Your value is wrapped up in your possessions. Huge lie, breaking up families causing people to pursue careers they should have never pursued so they can have money to buy stuff that they think is going to make them valuable. Huge lie. The second one, the only thing that's real is the stuff that you can see, touch, and taste. If you can't see it, touch it, or taste it, it's not real. It doesn't exist, which means the entire spiritual realm is not real, which means the devil is not real. See, the devil doesn't mind if you don't believe in him. 
He'll lie to you just to get you to believe that God doesn't exist or that the spiritual realm doesn't exist. So there's a whole group of people out there, supposedly really, really intelligent, agnostics, atheists, Richard Dawkins, to to, to name one. He's written books about the God delusion and how the only thing that's real out there is what you can see, touch, and taste. Millions of people in this world are buying into that lie and they're becoming atheists because they do not believe in the spiritual realm. Huge lie from the enemy the devil himself. Let's talk about another one. Your value is in how you look, your appearance. You're only as valuable, you know, as, as you are attractive. And so we go down this path of purchasing things and working on our face and working on our bodies and working in plastic surgery and blah, 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 blah. Why? Because the culture says, and the lie is, you're valuable if you're attractive. Huge lie. Causes so much depression, causes so much hurt and so much loneliness in our world today. Your value is wrapped up in your physical appearance. How about this one? This is another huge one that's causing immense pain, tremendous pain in our culture today. That people's opinions are what, are what is most important. What other people think is the thing that I need to, I need everybody to think well of me. And so people are being plunged into depression because they can't get everybody to think well of them and like them. Social media is just feeding this whole lie. We compare ourselves with other people's posts and other people's pictures and other people's families and dangerous trap. Here's another one. You will never be good enough. Give up. You'll never make it. You'll never be as good as him, as good as her. The devil loves that lie because it produces discouragement. It gets you down. You're never going to be good enough. A close lie right behind that one is you've sinned so much, God will never forgive you. You are beyond forgiveness. You're beyond redemption. You might as well continue on in the path you're going. Huge lie from the enemy. Again, disconnects us from the life of God. Here's another one. God just wants you to be happy. I hear it all the time. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Um, he actually wants you to be holy, and through your holiness, you can become happy, but it's kind of a different path. Huge lie out there. Here's another one. What the Bible says about marriage and sex and sexuality is outdated. It's irrelevant. It's not up to speed with the culture. The church needs to get with the program. Huge lie. God's teachings on marriage and sex and sexuality are outdated and archaic, and that's becoming more and more of a thing in our culture today. How about this one? I'm all alone in my pain. I, like nobody understands and nobody cares. And so let me turn to the bottle. Let me turn to my drugs. Let me turn to Netflix. Let me turn to the ice cream. No one understands my pain. I'm all alone. Huge lie of the enemy. And I, I, get, I, I could keep going one after another after another. Satan has not changed his tactics because his tactics work. His strategy is to deceive and to lie and to cut us off. And that's why we need the spirit of truth. And that's why the spirit of truth is trying to lead us into truth. What is truth Truth about what? Truth about reality. So how does he do it? He does it in three specific ways. He does it in three specific, he uses the word of God to guide us into truth. So powerful. Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 17, watch this. He said, sanctify them by the truth, uh, by the truth and your word is truth. This is why I read the Bible every single day. Because as I read the Bible, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God, which, by the way, he is the author of the Word of God. So he's going to lead us to the Word of God to know about reality. I'll give you an example. One of the Satan's favorite lies is you are what you own. Your value is wrapped up in your possessions. Well, 
The Spirit of God leads you to the Word of God, and what Jesus said is the exact opposite in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Beware, be on guard against every kind of greed. Here's why. Because life is not measured by what you, say it with me, by what you own. In other words, you will not find the life that you're hoping for, a life of happiness and fulfillment, fulfillment and success and value and personal significance by accumulating more things and possessions or chasing down money that will purchase those possessions. You'll ruin your family that way. You'll ruin your life that way. Materialism really is, at the end of the day, idolatry. Jesus gives us the truth. That's not where life is found. Okay, well, what does the truth do? It sets us free from what? The lies of the enemy. And then we can enter into life that, was, that we're supposed to live. We find value from being a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, and not from our possessions or the money that buys those possessions. So what does the Spirit do? He takes us back to this book. Because the book is the spirit, the book is the word of God, it is the truth. Something else he'll do, number two, he will use other people to lead us into truth. He will use other people to lead us into truth. God uses people like me and, other, and others all across our country right now. We're standing on some platform that looks like this to, to hopefully bring truth to people, to lead them into the life that they're supposed to live. Listen to what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, preach the word or talk about the truth. Be be prepared in season and out of season. Here's what I want you to do with the word of God. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Correct, why? Because people are believing lies. Rebuke, why? Because people believe in lies. Encourage, why? Because people need, need to be lifted up to seek the truth with great patience and careful instruction. God uses Timothy, God uses Paul, God uses me, God uses anybody who steps up, small group leaders, God uses you to take this book to bring truth to the people in your life, in your workplace, in your home. He uses other people. I remember a couple years ago, actually quite a long time ago, before I was married, I was sitting in a conference and the preacher was talking about Ephesians chapter 5. And his message was how to be a godly husband. And I wasn't even a husband at that time. And I was just paying attention. I was a fairly new Christian. And I was just like, wow, this is interesting stuff. And he was working his way through Ephesians chapter 5. And he got to verse 28. And this is what it says. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And he paused there and went back to Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 which says that the husband will leave the father and mother and he will join his wife and the two will become one, say it with me, one flesh. And he began to talk about what one flesh meant. One flesh meant a unit, oneness. Not two separate people living in the house trying to work things out, but one unit, one of one mind, of one heart, one flesh. Not two separate bank accounts, one bank account. Hello, that's not a popular statement today. We'll get a couple of emails about that. (laughs) It's hard to imagine one flesh and two bank accounts. Hello, (laughs) there's some truth. Anyway. So he began talking about one flesh. He said, when you love your wife, you're actually loving your own flesh. That's what it says. And he's, I'm like, never, I've never heard this before. This is crazy. This is, this is unbelievable. Not even a husband yet. I cannot tell you over the last 19 years how many times this verse has brought my heart back to Jackie's. Jackie's my wife, for those of you who don't know. In fact, this week, this week, 
we got into a little tiff. Anybody else get into a tiff this week? We did. Because we've got three kids, and my parenting style is different than hers. I'm, you, you can probably imagine I'm more mil- military, like, go, 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 do, do, do. And she's more like chill, like, hey. <laughs> which is cool, which is cool. You know, but those two styles clash when we have three teenagers, 17, 14, and 13. And so we got into it, and I'm like, you know, she said some things that hurt my feelings. So I came back, and, you know, I have a sharp tongue sometimes, working on that. Spirits lead me on that. So I said some sharp things to her, which hurt her feelings. And then we were just like, at that moment where it's like, I don't like you, and you don't like me. (laughs) Ever been there? And so for about a 24-hour period, give or take a couple of hours, we just kind of went, okay. And that has happened uh, lots of times over the last 19 years where we just do that little thing and then do this thing and, and then the Spirit of God starts to work on me. <laughs> and, and, and this is what he usually says to me. He says to me, Danny, how, how, how do you treat yourself when, when, you, when, you, when you sin? How do you, how do, you do that? And I, my answer to him when he says that, when he asks me that question, is he's always asking questions. I say with grace. And that's true. That's the truth. I give give myself a lot of grace. And I make, I give myself a lot of excuses. Well, the reason is I did that because she made me mad or it was raining out that day or whatever. (laughs) Give myself a lot of grace. So then the spirit of God says, why don't you, why don't you just kind of love your wife as you love yourself? In fact, when you love her, you're loving yourself you guys are one flesh. And then, it, then my heart starts to get tender and I start to go back towards her. Sometimes that window takes 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours. And if it's a good tiff, it's like 72 hours or longer. <laughs> but eventually I come back and we're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, we got to talk about that. I shouldn't have said it that way. And then, you know, she just tender towards me. And then, and then we eventually make up and then she starts to kiss me and then I have to tolerate that. <laughs> And if you believe that, I will tell you another one. (laughs) And and you know what helped this week? Her birthday was Thursday, so that helped as well. So it was a little bit of the birthday and, and, and the spirit of God leading me. But this has saved our marriage. It saved our marriage. Where did it come from? It came from some other person. The spirit of God used this. I don't even remember the preacher's name. I don't even remember if he was a pastor or whatever. But he, he spoke this message into my heart and he, the truth of God has changed and saved our marriage and created something beautiful. So number one, he uses the word. Number two, he uses other people. Hopefully he's using me right now to you. And number three, he speaks directly to us. He speaks directly to us. Listen, the Bible teaches, this is so important to get this, that when we trust Christ, the spirit of God comes to dwell and live inside of us. Like our soul is his home. The Bible teaches that. Well, if the Spirit of God is living inside of me, inside of you, he's going to speak to you. He's not going to be silent, right? Well, how is he going to speak to you? Well, we've already talked about the Word. We've already talked about other people. He's also going to speak to you through your conscience, through your mind. He's going to talk to you. You're going to hear his voice. The prophet Isaiah, 500 years before Jesus even showed up on the scene, said this. Your own ears will hear him right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go about that job opportunity, about that relationship, 
about that purchase you're about to make? Expect the Spirit of God to talk to you about your life, to nudge you. No, 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 go left. No, 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 don't, no, no, don't buy that. No, 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 wait. Don't say that. Hold up. Yes, go. No, stop. This is the way that you should go, whether to the right or to the left. He speaks to us directly. This is the heart of New Testament Christianity, that we now have a relationship with God by means of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. We can expect to hear from him every single day if we're willing to pay attention. Now, I have to teach this carefully because a lot of people will use this teaching or use this theology to justify all kinds of crazy actions. You've heard it in the news, like, well, I did this because God told me to do it. Oh, he did? (laughs) Um, I'm not so sure. We've had people come to this church and say, you know, I, I, I really think that God wants me to divorce my wife because I don't love her anymore. I think the Spirit is speaking to me. Oh, I don't think so. We all have multiple voices in our head. We do. If we're Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit, we have our own voice, and then we have our enemy. Did God really say, ah, you won't die? He just knows that if you eat the fruit, you'll be just like him. Not so sure you can trust him. Sound familiar? How do we know if we're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? Well, we go back to number one. Because here's what's true. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. Ever. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that has already been revealed in this book as wrong. Or sinful. Never. You can know for certain if it's the Spirit's voice. Or if it's your own voice. Or the culture's voice. Or the enemy's voice. By simply saying, I wonder what the book says. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. And that's how you can use, that's how you can discern whether or not you're actually hearing the Holy Spirit in your life. And then also check with your friends. You can check with your small group. You can check with the people. Hey, I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me to do this or to do that. What do you guys think? Let's talk about this collectively. And lean into your Spirit-led, Bible-based friends. What have I said today? I said a lot, so, so let me summarize. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be confusing. doesn't have to be mysterious. We can clarify by understanding his primary role is to nudge us, is to lead us. Those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. If we should choose to let him lead our lives, where is he going to take us? He's going to take us to, to truth. Why do we need the truth? Because the enemy is trying to take us away from truth. What truth about what? Reality? We live in reality. We have to know reality. We have to understand reality if we're going to live the life that God has planned for us. How does he do it? He takes us to the word of God. He takes us to people and he speaks to us directly because he indwells us. That's a lot to process and take in. But that's where he will take us if we allow him to lead us. So here's my question today as we leave. What truth is the Holy Spirit trying to lead you in? At some point in the recent past, perhaps the Holy Spirit was trying to say, you need to be more generous. You need to, you need to give your life away. At least, at least 10% of your income, at least 10% of your schedule and your time, and you have simply not allowed him to lead you there. Or maybe it's in the area of your relationships. 
And your sexuality, I talked to a guy last night, he was a 55-year-old guy, and he said, you know, there's a lot of people at Emmanuel that think that whole, you know, sex before marriage thing is for the younger pups, <laughs> the millennials, <laughs> you know. But we 55-year-olds, you know, we've been there, done that, so we can go ahead and have sex even though we're not married. He said, that goes around a lot at this church. I said, really? Maybe the Spirit of God today is pricking your heart, saying, that's not how it works. Maybe, he, maybe he's trying to speak to you in the air of your sexuality to get your sexuality in alignment with what the Scriptures say. I don't know, but you've got to answer that, because that's, that's where he wants to go with you. He wants to take you into truth. The question is where? What area of your life? I hope that you'll open up your heart and you'll let him speak in. And here's my encouragement to you, in my encouragement to you as throughout this whole series is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve him. What does it mean to grieve? Well, the, the word means to cause pain. In fact, this Greek word for grieve is used for women in child labor cause deep pain. Don't cause the Holy Spirit deep pain. Well, how would a person do that? How would I do that? By simply refusing his leadership in my life. The Holy Spirit steps in and wants to lead in a specific area, and I say no. He's grieved. Causes him pain. Why does it cause him pain? Because he's got this life planned out for you, and you're missing it. He's got this quality of life planned out for you, and you will have none of it because you're refusing to be led in that area. And he's grieved. Do not do that. Don't grieve him. Let him lead you. Trust him to take you down the path of truth in the specific area he wants to go in your life. I promise you, he's trustworthy. And it will lead to fantastic results in your life. Now, there's some of you, as I mentioned earlier, that are either not Christians, agnostic, not people of faith. You walked in today curious, you were invited by a friend. And the message that you need to hear today, and, and I've been praying that the Spirit of God would lead you to, to open your heart to this message, is that God, God loves you. And the reason your friend invited you and the reason you ended up here is because he led you here to hear this part of the message. You were designed to be in a relationship with him. What, what, what makes that relationship impossible at this present moment is your sin, your disobedience. And every one of us are in the same boat because we all suffer for what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, a broken relationship with God. We've all inherited a sinful nature. That sinful nature separates us from God. Guess what? Because God loves you, because he loves me, he says, I gotta do something about that, so I'm gonna send my son Jesus Christ to this earth to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for Adam and Eve's sin, to pay the penalty for Danny's sin, for your sin, for the sin of the whole world. Why does it have to be paid for? Why does it have to be cleansed? Because people cannot be in a relationship with me unless their sins are forgiven. And so Christ dies on the cross bloody, brutal, excruciating, humiliating death on the cross. He paid the price. He gave his life. Why? To remove our sin, to make reconciliation possible. And that's what you have to trust in today. You have to put your faith in Christ. And when you do that, 
the Spirit of God invades your life and you are born again. It's called regeneration. It's called redemption. It's called grace. It's called mercy. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 3. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter into the kingdom of God or life with God or eternal life unless they're born both, both of water out of your mother's womb and of the, say it with me, the Spirit. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. How do you do that? You trust Christ, the Spirit comes into your life and your soul is regenerated. You have to make that choice. I implore you to make that choice. I beg you to make that choice. Trust in Christ today. If you would like to do that, if you feel a pulling, if you feel a nudging, guess who that is? That's the Spirit of God right now saying that little touch, that little push. Remember on the diving board? Remember the video? Come on, this is for you. This is your moment. I felt it. Anybody else ever feel it in your life? Raise your hand. Yes? Right now, some of you are feeling that little nudge. Yes, this is your moment right now. Trust me. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Take these words, make them your own, and trust Christ today. Will you close your eyes with me? Just take these words, make them your own. Say, Jesus. I'm obeying the nudge. I trust you today. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my soul. Cleanse me. Wash me. Fill me make me your child and from this day forward guide me into truth I pray this in Christ's name amen can we give God glory guys for what he's doing amen nice and loud It is my privilege and joy to be able to share that message every single week. I'm honored to do it. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we would love for you to walk out of here with a new believer's Bible. There's tables in the back, whatever campus you're at, of the auditorium. If you, if you prayed that prayer online, there's a little box there you can check that says, I accepted Christ. Put your address in there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. Read it, absorb it, meditate on it because the truth will set you free. God bless you guys. We're going to have our teams come up right now. They have a special announcement for you. Our campus teams, we will see you next week.